Good afternoon. Welcome to this week's What Comes Next Live. And my guest this week is Dave Stewart of the Fresh Air Leadership Company up in Scotland. Although he won't be in the Fresh Air too much right now, and he'll explain about that in, in a moment. Um, I had Dave on in August 2021, and before we went on, on air, uh, we were just chatting about how so much has happened for each of us and in the world in the last 18 months. So um, looking forward to hearing where Dave is, what's happened, where he is now, uh, and his thoughts for for us on on now and what comes next. Uh, welcome back, Dave. Thanks, Tom. It's uh, great to be back. And as you say, you know, a lot has happened, um, you know, since then, particularly now that we're in our 30s and bits of our bodies are falling off. Um, it might be helpful just for me to explain to, to, to the listeners and watchers that, um, the Fresh Air Leadership Company is a, it's a small company. We, we, we run a network of associates, um, and we help senior leaders, chief executives, uh, build highly effective leadership teams. Um, and we don't talk about big words like transformation or some of those buzzwords. It's about the, the effect that leadership teams have on, on their companies. Mm-hmm. Um, and place is a big, important thing for us. So you mentioned I'm based in Scotland. We work around the UK, mm-hmm. but place uh, is part of our uh, recipe because it impacts the way people uh, think and engage with one another. So depending on what our client needs, we will recommend a place for our work to occur. So that's a, a really important part. And while quite a lot of our um, presence on social media shows the imagery of the outdoors, it's not always the outdoors. It's just mm. that's a, a cool set of photographs that we like to use. Okay, that's interesting. That's a slight shift. Yeah, I re-listened to our conversation from August 2021 before we spoke today. And I found it fascinating just how much has changed. Um, although the the, the the language around place remains consistent. You got a conversation using an example of a of a, a team you'd taken to Dumbling, um, and how that was appropriate for lots of reasons um, in that particular case. So, um, what's what's been going on in the last eighteen months? Um, well, do the phys- physical bit first. I've had a couple of new knees. Okay, so I've got a twenty two month old left knee, and I've got a, a two and a half month old right knee. Um, and that's been an interesting process in terms of running a business. How do I, how do I keep business going without me having to be there? And of course, that's been a fantastic mm-hmm. learning point to realize that actually I don't need to be, um, in the business. I need to be running the business. Although quite a lot of our clients want me to be visible and part of, of the process, but I've started to delegate more to associates and that has been really useful and important. And the other thing that's you know, perhaps a, a late realization is that it doesn't matter how good I or other people are at doing their thing. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, it's a, you know, running a business is about marketing and finding people who want, uh, who will value the service that you provide. So the what comes next for me, but also the, 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 the journey I've been on quite recently is to be engaging marketing and sales mentors and getting them to help me run a more effective business essentially and mm-hmm. um, so so rather than the, the the thing that we do my what next is to create a, a far more efficient uh, and effective business oh okay well the, to the first piece that's uh any business owner of 
who's built or developed or grown has a lifestyle business, which to be honest, lifestyle businesses are, to me are any where it still requires the owner. Uh, that could be a 20 million revenue business, right? It doesn't have to be a smaller business. Um, but yeah. they will be both smiling and squirming at your conversation about um, running the business, not being in the business, delegating, um, because that's almost the definition of a true business to me is one where it doesn't need the founder or owner or face. Um, yeah. So, but yes, interesting journey in terms of uh, then where you take it. So I guess so that more of the rights people um, hear about your business and uh, know exactly whether you're the right offering for them. So, yeah, and, and absolutely right. It's not about flogging what we do, but it's about just creating that awareness and maybe targeting people who could use this. Um, and I think we had a conversation about two, three years ago about uh, about essentially referrals. Hmm. And of course, the, the thing one discovers is you can make as much noise as you like on social media. Yeah. That is never as effective as referrals or contacts that you that are already worn and mm. people who who can know and trust you or or trust you second hand because of someone they know um and of course in the in the the, the 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 sort of sphere of work that you and i are both in it really is about being trusted advisors and being uh showing a lot of care and support for the client in whatever situation they're in so uh that will always be the main way that we will um you know gain business essentially totally uh, for where I am, you, how long have you been doing fresh, the fresh air leadership company now? Well, it's now, I guess, uh, 12 years. Uh, and the journey has been one of looking at life through the wrong end of the telescope, you know, starting off saying we can do everything almost like a, mm-hmm. uh, a beige consultancy and then realizing that actually the market is composed of individuals who want a specific thing. So we had to put the telescope the other way around mm. and then understanding that people were confused about the original name, which is Fresh Air Learning, and people thinking that we were a forestry school for kids right. or we were into tree-hugging, to use that term, when actually it's all about helping leaders uh, inquire into leadership and for them to develop with our support. So we put leadership in the title. So it's all, in a sense, the journey has been about branding and stating who we are in a ever clearer way. And it's just a... a, a yeah, some people crack that in three or four weeks. It's taken us all that time to 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 learn those lessons. Hmm. Hmm. Um, I've I've got a couple of thoughts. Um, one is uh, around what I do, like in, in terms of referrals. All of my clients come from referrals and introductions. I've been doing this a long time. Yeah. And in fact, I got I did get one in twenty twenty early twenty twenty two for a few months and did some work with them on on uh, succession of the leadership team. And I pushed them up five times. I went, yeah, but who told you about me? But who, and they literally found me through a search. And I went, yeah, that doesn't happen. Everybody, everybody gets introduced to me. That's not how it works. And it was like, it was, it was quite unusual. Um, it was quite unusual. It really, it was the exception that proved the rule. Um, but it is, it, it is a very effective thing. Um, and the refinement. I, mean, I, I just, I, sorry. No, I was going to say the refinement piece. Uh, you said you don't use the word transformative. Um, and what you're about is something more, uh, different, but more, and very specific. Um, around 2022, I changed one word on my uh, website, which is not to attract people. It's actually designed 
when somebody's introduced that they are sent to their sent to that website and they go, yeah, that's what the person introducing me has said. It confirms it. Or, and it says, is this right for me? And I, and I've changed the word, you know, I said, you know, you're looking, you're, you are a leader looking for transformative change. And I said, and I changed the one word transformative to massive. Right. And for about six months, nobody contacted me. And I thought, cause I thought I want really brave people. And six months, nobody contacted me. And then, you know, basically people who gulped thought about it. Is that me? Am I, am I really a leader ready for massive change that needs, needs help along the way? And all of a sudden the phone started to ring. It was really fascinating. And it's like, so, um, yeah, it's just really fast. It's that clarity around not just what you are, but who, who you are right for. Um, so we've, we're getting into a sort of brand class here. <laughs> yeah. No, I, th- I think, I think that's really important because words make worlds, don't they? Because we, 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 we make sense of the word, the world by talking to each other. We use words which, uh, create a picture on our heads. I mean, but, but similar to you is we, we found that our market now is, is companies who are scaling and perhaps the, the chief executive, this is his or her first job ever. Mm. And they get to a point where they suddenly need to have a team around them and they need some support around uh, what does that mean? But also companies who are merging and have that kind of, you know, a couple of different cultures joining in, in the top team. How do they accelerate to a place of being effective? Mm. And then also um what we call resetting companies where a CEO may come in, have a look around and think, well, actually, we, we need to change how we lead collectively and we need a bit of a external help. But, um, so in a sense, they, they aren't in the place that you are. I mean, I love the word massive change and the idea that you're attracting courageous leaders. Mm. Um, I think that really sets you apart. What I'm, I'm almost at the, the basic end of, you know, emerging. How do we survive this moment of risk and get to a place of performance? And similarly for a scaling company, massive risk. How do we get to a place of, of performance? So, I think we're both in the same game, but you're way up there in the very courageous space, and I admire you, sir. Um, yes, thanks. It, it, uh, and I don't think it's that different because I think I always say the word bravery is in the eye of the beholder. It's like some people are bungee jumping off a bridge without checking that the bungee's hooked yep. on, right? And other people, yep. bravery is just taking a step <laughs> out of their comfort zone. Um, so it, it, it's it's a mindset. Let me ask you. Uh, I'll observe something. I'll, let, I'll ask your opinion. Um, when we talked last time, 18 months ago, we were coming out of, you know, 97 different lockdowns, right? And, but it's amazing how human, humans tend to forget, uh, past traumatic history. It's a protection mechanism, I think, to some level. Yeah, um, yeah. but you know, 20, 2020, 2021, even into 2022, right? And we're just into 2024. We, our world was totally different with different lockdowns and things like this. And we talked last time, 18 months ago about, how people had rediscovered the outdoors and the, the value of being outdoors. Um, what I found in 2023 was the, 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 the people who were referred to me, um, basically they all wanted the same thing. They, they wanted to look at not a reset, which is the word used, not quite the same thing, but they're saying, okay, we've got through this period. Now we need to take some time to design and develop what we're going to do next. And 2023 was a time for, uh, vision and strategy, getting aligning people, getting them all sorted out. What I found towards the end of last year was there was a general energy. Doesn't matter the size of the business, the geography of the business, the people I was talking to, both clients and others. It's all about now we need to do stuff. Now we need to make it happen. Now we need to action it. And when I spoke to you 18 months ago, you were talking about 
the type of clients you were looking for wanted to, to be able to then, uh, I'm not sure the word implement was the word, but it was like they needed to do stuff within two to three months after working with you guys. I would, I would think you're going to have a really interesting spring full of clients because when they all come up and come outdoors or go wherever they're going to go and, and do stuff with you, because I'm just feeling this huge energy among businesses who are kind of, let's stop talking. Let's actually make a plan and do it coming into 2024. Yeah. So I'm interested in what you've been observing over the last year and now, whether that's consistent or different, because it may be, maybe either. Yeah. I think, I think initially people were, were, were just grateful for the headspace. Uh, without necessary, it was almost like they're almost recovering from a shock uh, mm. and just having headspace and meeting people in three dimensions for the first time after a gap or having taken people on board and meeting them for the first time, having recruited them on Zoom. So there was a, uh, there was a, there was a sense of relief, a sense of we've got through this and it was, it was thinking and social space. Um, certainly as we've, we've moved through, it's, it's absolutely been about execution. And of course, Strategy is nothing without the execution, and execution is misguided without strategy. But, you know, there's a pair there. But certainly when we work with clients, we will always converge to the three projects that they're going to take away and start tomorrow. Hmm. And we will we'll help them scope what those projects look like, and then we'll hold them to account going forward. Even if we are not involved in that execution, it's mm-hmm. important to our brand. It's important to our brand that there is follow through. Otherwise, uh, professionally, we will not feel satisfied. And from a brand point of view, people might think, well, actually, that was a waste of time. So we need to have follow through. And equally, we need to understand where our work fits within a wider program that they're engaging in. You know, there has to be a story around how all this sticks together. Otherwise, you know, we'll walk away. Hmm. Very cool. Because so- the danger is. Go ahead. I mean, the danger in, in my space or our space is that people see the outdoors bit and think it's um, fun and fizz and let's go for a walk and sing songs and have mm-hmm. some games, which is exact, exactly what we aren't. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we don't want people we don't want people being confused about us and sort of think we're going to buy some team games, which actually is just people spending money at the end of a financial year or doing some staff engagement work, which is not our space. So understanding the wider program. It's important for us to be able to contribute uh, fully and with value. What? Well, yes. So just to recap, that's a key key piece. Is that they'll take away three projects um, that they can start tomorrow, and you just will have this yep. focus on follow through. So it's very very actionable. Um, and I think to me that speaks to. I don't think we can talk about this enough. Is the power of place? Um, and you said some. You said that what one of the things you you're doing um you when we talked last time you said well you you consciously and deliberately did not become you know zoom based etc when everything was locked down you went it was about the power of being yeah. together in three dimensions whether indoors outdoors yeah. sense of place yeah. and uh, another um past guest i had on the podcast was justine clement who is all about being outdoors including some slightly holistic stuff like forest bathing and things like this but very very mm-hmm. the simple act of going for a walk is amazing. And I was part of a global business coaching company for years and indoors or outdoors. We always, we made a commitment to have internal conferences three times a year for three days. And we would get 50 or 60 people of this um, boutique business with, you know, a hundred plus people in it. 50 or 60 of them would come, come together three times a year around the world. 
And we always went to a different place and stayed in a nice quality hotel with plenty of indoor things and outdoor things. And so years later, we could go, do you remember the Loch Lomond conference or do you remember the such and such conference? Um, and, you know, we, we go to all, all different parts of the UK and around the world. And it was interesting, the sense of place, because you could actually remember the room you were in when you made that decision or you could remember what well, vivid memory for me was one person who just couldn't help wanting to lead everything. And they were trying to lead us paddling a canoe in a lake, right? From the front of the canoe. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yep. Yep. When the person, the person leading the canoe has to be at the back so they can see everybody. <laughs> so. Yeah. 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 But it's interesting. I mean, we, we, we remember th- things through our emotion rather than cognitively and actually by anchoring those moments of insight in a powerful place or some other powerful sense that 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 is really important the other thing we are often wary about now i don't know if this talks your experience tom is actually the the chief executive or the buyer whoever that is um wanting to do the outdoors to their team okay um Mm. and Part of our process is to engage one-to-one with all the participants to understand where they're at in terms of this thing that's coming up. So they're part of the design process um, because there's there's huge risk in, say, a triathlete chief executive is going to do a triathlete to their people. You know, there's a whole thing around inclusion and and, and uh, psychological safety and all the rest of it that, that we are very sensitive to. Um, but, yes, place is definitely an anchor point, absolutely. Yeah. Just to, to give you another story, another story about, about one of our clients is that um, they're a fast scaling company and the founder had a, a really powerful place based founder story about the moment he thought he needs to build a company around something and it happened in a place. Mm-hmm. So as the company scaled, we took um, the whole company by that stage, about sort of 80 people to the place where this original insight happened. And then walked a, a course that that represented the previous six years of growth, so that they became more aware of where the company had come from and the emotions that the founder had when he first started the company. So doing that history walk into the future again was it was a grounding moment for the for the employees and helped create that sense of belonging and alignment. So very powerful. I, I do agree with that one. I, I use that methodology quite a lot and I normally call it campfire stories to kind of like back in the days, yeah. you know, imagine you're sitting around a campfire with a cup of whatever or glass of whatever after dinner, uh, as a group yeah. and the founders start telling the story and it can be, can be a tremendously powerful anchor. You'd mentioned, you briefly touched mm-hmm. on that term psychological safety, which was popularized by yeah. Google a few years ago. Um, and you're quite opinionated on, on LinkedIn about these things. And, uh, a little story of something I just observed just the other day. And I'd love you to talk about the post you put up recently and about, and how about mm-hmm. psychological safety. And the observation I had, uh, was a picture sent by somebody in my network with about 20 guys. Um, and the picture just said networking. Uh, 20 guys at one of the PGA golf events in the, in the States, um, known as one of the most raucous ones for behavior and the crowd is boisterous, et cetera, et cetera. What do you think that crowd looks like in terms of demographic, Dave, at a wild guess? Oh, 
Bunch of white guys. Let's start with gender. Okay, blokes, white, uh, mid thirties to mid forties. Yeah. Boom. Right. So <laughs> I thought was that's a networking event that's been running from that that broader industry group for a long time. Mm. What does it say about DEI, for example? <laughs> it's like, and 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 yeah. You know, if you invite this at all, but you must come. But that you know, it's you're not creating an environment that that is. Um, going to have people feel comfortable. So that's just a slight yeah. offbeat tangential story. But, um, talk, talk about your thoughts on psychological safety because you, your own leadership experience yeah. is, is wide and deep. Yeah. Um, I, I think psychological safety has been, um, you know, it's a great buzzword and it means slightly different things to different people. And I have just picked up and maybe it's, feed I receive on, on, on various platforms that um it's been picked up by two two sort of groups of people. One is psychotherapists and psycholog psychologists who feel that actually this is our territory and you've got to be very, very careful. Okay. And other people who are picking up on it is that you know we, we need to put an arm around everybody. We need to be, you know, sympathetic or empathetic, quite different things. And we need to, you know, Cuddle everybody into place of coziness. I, I come from a perspective where it's, this is about, this is a team climate thing rather than an organizational culture thing because it's, it's that localized and it's about getting stuff done in, in the most collective, collegiate and collaborative way. Um, and it's about, um, I mean, the, the, the four stages that I like, I, I can't remember the chap's name, but it's about you know, stage one is inclusion. So how do you make people welcome? So it's about the onboarding process. Um, it's about um, stage two, which is about allowing people to learn by asking questions and making mistakes, where that's possible. Obviously, you don't want your surgeon making mistakes. Uh, level three is about feeling comfortable to ask, uh, to offer your opinion. And then stage four is being comfortable enough to challenge the status quo in a constructive manner. So you want to change stuff. Um, and all those things lead to getting stuff done. Hmm. Uh, and you you asked a question separately about about the military and where does humility lie in you know things like command and control and almost a, a subtext about isn't this anti psychological safety and and I replied saying that in the military and of course there are, are patches where this doesn't happen mm -hmm. there's a, there's a subordination to the task okay we're all in here we're all in this together to mm -hmm. to deliver on the task and. As leaders, wherever they may be in the organization, their role is to care for their people and help them to play a part in the team that delivers the task. And for me, that drives my, my, my value of psychological safety. First of all, it's not new. Okay. It's not rocket science. Um, it's not the preserve of, you know, psychologists or, or uh, psychotherapists. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, um, you know, it, it's, it's something that involves us all. It's about creating the conditions for collective success. Hmm. So that, so that's going to, you know, I come from that almost like a very back to basics. You know, good leaders have always done this. So let's help uh, leaders in the future uh, become good leaders. Let's not call it psychological safety. Let's just help put people become good leaders. Hmm. Not, and one day, hopefully we won't call it a thing. Okay. Yeah. It's yes. Excellent. Um, so if I link it together, so it's not a preserve of any professional area, it's all 
people responsible for a team in whatever fashion. The idea of subordinate to the task. So those, just to repeat those four things is inclusion, uh, creating an environment of inclusion, being uh, where people are allowed to learn, comfortable to offer their opinions and challenge the status quo. If I then think of that from a drilled down to a task, and you can think of it in the military, you can think of it in the civilian sector, there is a time and a place for that. Um, but an example of that is, is if you're, if I was running a meeting for a business I was leading and somebody brings up something that isn't relevant to what we're doing right now, right? Yep. I'm not going to shut them down, but I am going to say, that's a great question. We have to focus on what we're talking about today though. And that I'm not seeing that that's relevant today. Can I talk to you about it later? Um, and that, that is to me is an example of psychological safety or however you define it, because that person still feels included. They still feel part of the room. They still feel heard, but, but you are making sure they recognize that we are all subordinate to the task at hand. And in the military, there's a, there's a time at what people, uh, I was talking to uh, a guy who I'll, I'll get on uh, the show later about who's building a recruitment platform for ex-military, ex-service people, um, in the UK. Mm-hmm. And we had a long conversation about, so what's the number one thing that you get if you hire somebody out of the military? And after talking him through this for, for his own brand work, right, was performance, right? And one of the things around leadership was this recognition that in the, in the, 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 the military in the UK, particularly the army, uh, I, I can't speak as well to the other services. They spend more money and resource and time in helping people with leadership skills than any other environment you could possibly imagine. Um, and all of the things you're talking about, that's part of, that's part of the practice, right? So that when you get into, um, into an active uh, arena, you don't have to do, you, you, everybody feels they're part of the team. They don't have to be learning then. They don't have to be uh, challenging the status quo and they don't need to be offering opinions when you don't have time. But they've done all of that during the practice and learning phase. So I'm not sure what your thoughts yeah, are. Uh, no, absolutely. I often, often sort of use Lego blocks. You spend a lot of time building those skills, which you, you can think of them as Lego blocks. And when a situation presents itself, you collectively build a new shape out of those basically building blocks to deal with the situation. So another metaphor could be um, being a musician. You, you, you become so um, attuned to your instrument that you can, you can, you can create new music because of the basic building blocks of scales or chord sequences or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that, that is really artistry. Um, but you've done all the hard work in developing those core skills, which you can then put together in different ways to, to deal with the situation. Uh, and I think leadership, I've always thought of leadership as artistry rather than some sort of scientific application of um, some sort of formula or process. Now, and of course, it's, it's probably a bit of both, but it really is about being hyper aware, um, creating shared awareness and coming up with some sort of way of dealing with the situation. Uh, responding rather than reacting. Hmm. But having spent lots and lots of time learning how to put the Lego blocks yep. together. So. Yeah, and then simple things like in a meeting, people understand that the rules of how we work as a team in this meeting is that um, this may be a, an action decision meeting, this may, or this may be a creative space where we, we take thoughts. But in other meetings, we, we have a process which narrows down to a convergent decision very quickly. 
Um, another thing I say to people is, you know, how much, how much um, level four can you handle? How much leadership can you handle? How much creativity can you handle? Yeah. If you've got a hugely creative organization, that's great. But do you have a mechanism to uh, allow people to understand when they've offered five suggestions in a row and you've, you've said that we can't have that? That's not the right. You know, you know the, what, what's the process and agreement between you to, to accept knockbacks? But that, I don't want to use the word knockbacks. That sounds quite yeah. negative. Um, you know, thank, thanking people, but not, not here, not now, but, but keep on giving us the suggestions. Hmm. Hmm. I think that's, that, that's a really interesting question that leaders of any organization can ask themselves is to what's the appropriate level of, uh, conversation? Like to what level is it going to be, you know, let's move forward, get the task done, et cetera. And, and at the other end of the spectrum, just wild creative brainstorming constantly for weeks or months on end. Um, and. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's could lead into a whole another conversation, but it's a really good point because there's a time and a place for each of them. And I like what you were saying because it, one of my, before putting this podcast on pause, which I just restarted a couple of weeks ago, uh, one of my guests was Carrie Goucher, who is so obsessed with meetings being effective that she literally yeah. did a PhD in meetings and now has a business wow. yeah. around Fewer, faster, bolder. I think it was the name of the business, if I remember correctly. Um, but it's, it's almost exactly what you're talking about, which is like, let's understand the frame for this meeting. Is it, uh, about yeah. execution? Is it about creativity and make sure that people understand the framing of it, which is part of framing is a huge part of people feeling comfortable and included or, or safe, if you will. Yeah. 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 Uh, and you know, I like the work of Patrick Lencioni in his yeah. book, Death by Meeting, where he actually explores, you know, the different types of meeting and if you can get them into a drumbeat then actually you, you get people turning up with the right mindset for that particular agenda uh, and i think that's a, a really efficient way of doing it i'll get i'll get just uh, just for the audience i'll just give one idea which i've one of my clients picked up over a decade ago and was trans was ah, transformative made a massive change um they used to have a weekly uh meeting of the it was a family business quite a large one but they all got together um early evening one once a week um and then they went for a big family dinner they were always late for family dinner because the meetings overran and one of the family members ran the meeting and uh after some framework explanation as to you know some tools for how to shift your business that we were giving them they said okay that's it i've got an idea here's what's going to happen we spend ages in meetings at the drop of a hat getting into the details and the new shi of like what kind of door handle to put on a warehouse was literally one of the cases. Um, but we never talk about working on the business rather than in the business in detail. So what all we're going to do is that one meet, one up meeting every four, one meeting every month, nobody is allowed to bring anything to that that can help the business in the next three months. They have to bring yeah, long-term strategic value ideas. So the strategy meeting became the frame for once a month. And they had to go, no, sorry, we're not talking about something we're going to do tomorrow morning. And what that also meant was if you wanted to bring something to a meeting that wasn't on the meeting agenda, which is very operational, the other three weeks, they go, that's going to wait till the monthly meeting. So imagine you have a weekly meeting in your business uh, for the audience and you go, okay, well, once a month, that weekly meeting is strategic. What And you put one hour a month into looking at the future of your business. 
I can tell you from my experience, uh, there are many quite significant businesses that don't even put an hour a month into looking into the future of their business. So some of the people who do want to be forward looking creative don't feel included. And the, you know, and so, and the people who, if that gets brought up in an operational meeting, those operationally minded task oriented people, they feel excluded. So yeah, it's, it's just the, the other tip I'll give your audience before you close is to, instead of having an agenda as a set of statements, have an agenda as a set of questions. Mm-hmm. It will encourage people to think about the agenda before they get to the meeting. It will also invite people's opinions into the meeting. So, uh, agenda items written as, as inquiry questions. Cool. Um, so I won't close. Dave, I'll let you close. So what are your closing thoughts for our audience? Uh, closing thoughts. Well, it's almost back to the beginning and it's, it's slightly boring in terms of it's not the content of what we do, but it's back to the business of running a business and understanding that um, you're great at what you do, but you now need to start thinking about how do you market? How do you sell? How do you scale? And how do you let go and bring in other people who are experts in those areas? Um, it's all about letting go and actually creating your own team. So it's moving from a lifestyle business to a, to a I don't know what you call it, uh, Tom, a proper business. And I think that's where I'm heading now. Mm-hmm. And I just encourage people who are in the lifestyle business, if they want to, to think about letting go and bring in some outside help. Great stuff. Um, many thanks, Dave. Really appreciate it. Bye. Thanks, Tom. Thanks, everyone. Cheers.